This podcast is sponsored by our fine patrons. To find out how you can support the show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Give a little, get a lot of podcast. everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, amazing discussions from fans and listeners and viewers just like you. And I would like to dispel the notion that the only reason Veronica and I have continued this podcast for more than seven years is to have an excuse to drink on Tuesdays. I don't need an excuse because I feel like every show that I do involves drinking somehow, which I don't know if that means I have a problem. I don't need an excuse because I work hard. I work hard. Dang it. It's almost five o'clock here. Okay. Also, we record on Wednesdays, just not this week. Not this week. No, we're recording on Tuesday, though you won't hear this until Wednesday. So way to blow that, Tom. Because we're selfish. Yeah. So if any major news happens tomorrow, you won't hear about it on this show. Sorry. Keep everyone alive until Thursday. Anyway, Tom, uh, what are you drinking this week, speaking of? I'm having a little uh, gin and tonic this oh. afternoon. It's a nice, uh, cool summer afternoon in Los Angeles. And I thought it went well with the weather. Very nice. Uh, Hendrix, I see. Mm-hmm. That's the gin we have on hand. And it's one of my faves. I am also a big fan of Hendrix. It's one of my personal favorites. Uh, I'm thinking of trying to branch out. And I've been thinking of this for years, so don't take me seriously. But I've been thinking of trying to branch out and learn more about gins. I learned a lot about scotches at one point in my life. Not an expert by any stretch, but I know I know some. And I've learned some about bourbons recently. I need to learn more about gin. Uh, my personal favorite gin is a Bummer and Lazarus gin. It's a local gin here uh, that's made on, used to be made on, oh. Bathtubs, bathtubs in 1920s era apartments. Well, yeah, it was. There, it has a great old story about these okay. two dogs. It's 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 pretty fun. It's made, made by, by a raft distillery. All right. I like um, it already. Yeah, it's it's got a dog backstory, so I'm particularly a fan. I'm in. Um, what I'm, are you drinking? I'm drinking Boonville Bite Hard Cider. Uh, I was just Boonville. Yes. Yeah. I have to say it like that because there was a volleyball player from Boonville that when I was the stadium announcer for the University of Illinois volleyball team, everyone wanted me to announce her as being from Boonville that way. Well, Boonville is a small town, small, adorable town up in Anderson Valley in California, where I spent my 4th of July. And I've had the cider before. I just didn't make the connection until I realized that it's actually made up there. It's created by the people who have... um, have a, a winery actually and they decided to go into cider so hmm. i thought that was pretty cool um i like boont amber ale which is made by the anderson brewing company in boonville oh there's some good brews up there in the boonville area there is a lot of great wineries there's a lot of um just it's a nice area it's, it's a fun place to go to it's very different from um from other parts of that area, like Napa and Sonoma, it's quieter, it's smaller, and mm-hmm. but they make great wine and and great ciders, so it's a fun place to visit if you can find a hotel room. There's like two hotels in the whole town. Yeah, so make sure you go when no one else wants to go, like when it's really rainy. Yes, which never and you'll get a hotel room. Literally never happens anymore. No, that's true. Well, anyway, uh, let's get to the actual podcast and and jump right in to the quick burns. 
So we have some original reporting out of the QuickBirds. This is a new height for the folks who help us gather the news in our Goodreads thread. Uh, big thanks to Kenley for kicking off the topic and then Ulmer Ian for following through. Kenley noted that the American Library Association held their annual conference in San Francisco last week. 25,000 librarians descended on Moscone, including uh, Werner Vinge, Greg Baer, John Scalzi, Marie Brennan, and Larry Correa on one panel from tour. So, Ulmer Ian went... He did, and he said, just came from the tour panel. Uh, Not much interaction between panelists, so no barns were burned. Great to see Vinge. I'm a longtime fan. Uh, Marie Brennan's talk uh, was fantastic. and uh, about the books about, sorry, Marie Brennan's talk about what books show we miss from current technology was particularly fantastic. Um, in quick burn news, SNL pick and Nebula winner Goblin Emperor won Best Fantasy Novel for the Locus Award. Uh, you know, be an SNL pick, win all the awards. That's also from Ian. Yeah. So there you go. That's, I mean, I'm just saying, Emily St. John Mandel, uh, your, your book is not done winning awards no you are going to be trending this whole year (laughs) thanks to uh probably your own talents and nothing to do with us yes yes uh in fact old marian points out the uh, locust mag uh, article where they announced the 2015 locust award winners including ancillary sword uh getting the science fiction novel and as he mentioned the goblin emperor getting fantasy novel wow that uh she just keeps winning and lecky just keeps Keeps winning with that series yeah yep killer i gotta read that that second one i'm behind joe abercrombie uh won for half a king in the young adult book category nancy cress won for yesterday's kin in the novella category joe abercrombie won novelette for tough times all over out of the rogues anthology by the way that is a killer anthology Mm. you get george r R. martin you get uh patrick rothfuss Mm -hmm. you get joe abercrombie i mean you get everybody I own it, have not yet read it, so... You know what I do with the Rogue's Anthology? I keep it for planes. Oh, that's smart, because then you can read, like, one story at a time, and it's more broken up. I got it. Because a lot of times I'm just flying an hour, an hour and a half to San Francisco, Seattle, someplace in Las Vegas, someplace like that, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, "Eh, I don't have time to really get into a whole book, but I could read a short story. It's perfect. Very cool. Uh, Moving on, Alex has the uh, post that Neil Gaiman is going to write multiple episodes of American Gods for stars. He says that makes me so much more excited than it probably should. I don't know. I think that makes you appropriately excited. I think that's about the correct excitement level. I think the maximum amount of excitement that you can manage is the right amount of excitement. Uh, Gaiman says, I am thrilled, scared, delighted, nervous, and a ball of glorious anticipation. Anticipation. Uh, Anticipation. Yeah, that's the gin talking. Sorry. No, I was I was referencing Rocky Horror. Come on. Oh, I see. Now that's the gin oh, not understanding you. It, there you go. The gin not getting the joke. Way to go, gin. Way to go, gin. God. Gotta say, uh, sharp with hard cider. Uh, anyway, American Gods. Why wouldn't they have Neil Gaiman write as many episodes as they can convince him to write? I think that's smart. Uh, so my favorite Doctor Who episodes of the new era of Doctor Who. Uh, some of them are written. And the two Neil Gaiman episodes are two of my favorite episodes. What are the, what way. are those episodes off the top the of your doctor's head? The Doctor's wife mm-hmm. uh, is the 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 one that I absolutely adore. It's probably I don't know if it's my favorite, but it I if I had to sit down and think of what my favorite is, I would be a struggle with that and a few others. Uh, and then there's one I don't remember the name of it. The one that takes place in the amusement park with Matt Smith uh, and uh, and and Clara. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> you love Clara. I do. I do. Uh, but that's not even why I love this particular episode. It's just a really cool, dark, creepy amusement park of an episode in perfect Neil Gaiman style. Did you know that The Doctor's Wife won the uh, 2011 Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation and the 2012 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form? I knew about the Hugo. I didn't know about the Bradbury. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very winningly episode as well. A winningly episode. <laughs> Uh, did you find the name of the episode that I was trying to remember um, by chance no. <laughs> while doing your little? <laughs> no. I'm not accusing you of not knowing that off the top of your head. I know. Hold on, I'll, I will uh, look it up. You talk about the next part, and I'll find your answer. Okay, you do that, and I will talk about Joanna's submission of a wonderful interview with Lois McMaster Bujold, uh, who we love as well. And if you're wanting to find out a little more about her, holdfastmagazine.com has an interview. Uh, Joanna says it really dives into her process, what inspired her, also highlights why the Vorkosigan saga is still... My very favorite sci-fi series. Those are Joanna's words, although I'm not going to disagree with them. Uh, namely, following how culture follows technology and the development of great characters over time. So check that out, holdfastmagazine.com. We'll have the direct link in our show notes at swordandlaser.com. And I'm sure, as all our listeners were screaming into their headphones as we were discussing this, the episode in question is Nightmare in Silver. Oh, right. I knew Silver. I could. I remembered Silver, but I couldn't remember Nightmare. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel so much better now. <laughs> uh, Alex has a note uh, that Patrick Rothfuss and Max Temkin, uh, one of the Cards Against Humanity guys, he notes, have started a podcast and it needs a name. Alex says, slash me, puts up a preemptive barricade against those people who insist that writers of beloved series do nothing but write. All right. So this is cool. I'm probably going to listen to this up to this podcast. Um, oh, but the uh, the podcast is up in iTunes now. Let's see what the name is. It's still apparently untitled. Do you think that'll end up being the name? I that, think that's that not a terrible where name. Just, where they just go, untitled uh, works. Let's just call it that. It's very authorial. It's literally called Untitled Patrick Rothfuss Podcast. I wonder how Ma Max uh, Temkin feels about that. <laughs> I don't know. Shouldn't it be Untitled Patrick Rothfuss and Max Temkin Podcast? I don't I don't know. Maybe Max is fine with that. Although Patrick Rothfuss is the only person on the album art, too. So, mm, doesn't look okay. Good. Temkin's agent should have worked harder Ooh. with Rothfuss you on know, that one. Can I have a small digression? Uh, yes, you can. You may. Um, we will grant you a small digression. I am... I love that podcasts have become mainstream, and maybe this is my own bitter seeds coming to the fore. I am so glad that NPR invented podcasting as well. How did you exactly know what I was going to talk about? <laughs> Seriously, how did you know that? About. All of the podcasters from our era, Veronica, uh, are, are slightly... Miffed? A in little miffed? At various levels kind of either miffed or you know, grumpy about this idea that podcasts are around because we've gone through so many like podcasts are great podcasts are dead podcasts are great podcasts are dead mm, okay i mean i i listen to all of them and i listen to all the gimlet audio shows and you know everything from maximum fun for the most part and 
I guess I just maybe it's a little sour grapes that they're so wildly successful because they kind of have the name brands and they've got these huge collectives of popular like NPR when or PRI. I, was young, I don't know. You it just feels like did your podcast and you are thankful for the audience you had. I am and I am thankful for the audience we have. And no, I, I know, know I are. understand that we're a very niche show, but it's just like, man, that's all the podcast people know about are are the This American Lives and the serials and the but that was true five years ago when all they knew about was ESPN had a podcast and uh, This American Life was a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I know. It's, it's just the way of the world, Veronica. It's just becoming very inside baseball. Like they all leave to start new podcast networks and then have each other on their shows. And then those listeners pick up those shows because they're on the other show. And Isn't that what that's, we do? That's what we do on a much smaller scale. <laughs> But, you know, I don't I all I know is I am appreciative of every single person in our audience, especially the ones who back us on Patreon. Yes. And uh, if you feel it in your heart to tell a few friends about Sword and Laser, that's going to make Veronica feel slightly less miffed. I know I'm easily miffable. You know me. You miff. You, I miff. You get... I, I've been known to miff. You've been known to miff. Anyway, I'm reading this post and it sounds like Patrick Rothfuss was approached by Max Temkin about doing a podcast with him. With him. Where we pretty much just talked about whatever we felt like at the moment. Uh, so maybe it was Max Temkin's idea to put Patrick Rothfuss maybe. On, the, on there. But anyway, I'm really happy about this, Pat. So wait a minute. Wait a Hold on. Rewind. Are you mad that Patrick Rothfuss is doing a podcast with someone else besides you? And no. were you plotting to kick me off of Sword and Laser and replace me with Patrick Rothfuss? Well, no. No. <laughs> I'm, now I'm that you mention sure, it, I wouldn't understand. No, no, frank. that is not that is not the case. I'm just <laughs> okay. like I think it made me think about it because I was like, oh, another wonderful famous person is doing a podcast. Hey, what's Scalzi <laughs> doing? <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, actually, uh, he's putting out the final novella installment to the end of all things, there according to Andy. How's that for a transition? Nicely done. Uh, yeah, so it's out. The end of all things has now ended. That is the end of the end of all things, and you can get it on Amazon. I can't remember the date when this all comes back together, but it's two ninety nine for this last piece. Yeah. To Stand or Fall, The End of All Things, Episode 4. Very cool. Congrats, Skullsy. You're killing it. Let's see. The End of All Things comes out August 11th if you want to get everything at once, or you can go buy parts one, two, three, and now four and get the whole thing that way. Fabulous. Right now. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Congrats. Uh, I'm excited about that. I think I'll probably pick it up all in one go and just bang on through. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. We got a very nice email from Melissa in San Francisco, who said, Hi, Tom and Veronica. We are in San Diego at Westercon. Woohoo! Woo we had a good read, Sword and Laser Coffee Clatch, this morning. Thought of you, too. It was great fun, and we met some new SNL pals. Here's our picks. Hope all is well with you. And... It just warms the cockles of my cold, dead heart to see like sword and laser people getting together in person. And Melissa, we have met before. Uh, we met her at Baycon in person, um, and so that's nice to nice to see people hitting up local events and getting together. And uh, I'm sure we'll be back at Baycon at some point. Uh, we've got a lot of fun events coming up in the near future. Hopefully, lots of sword and laser meetups in the future as well at these events. Uh, look at that, Melissa. You just unmiffed Veronica. Well done. I'm. I've been unmiffed. I am yeah. apparently on. I'm. What's the word? I'm looking for a word that means the myth has been removed. 
You've that been it demiffed. Is pos- demiffed. There you go. I've been demi- I'm demiffable. Demiffified. I've been demiffable. I am I am personally demiffable. You just have yeah. to find the right demiffer to use. Yeah. Believe me. We know. And Sword and Laser Coffee Clatches <laughs> are expert at that. Uh, yeah, so if you're going to be at Nerdtacular in Salt Lake City, July 30th through, uh, or July 31st and August 1st, we'll be there. If you're going to be at Dragon Con, September 4th, 5th, and 6th, we'll be there. In fact, I think it's September 5th is when we're doing Sword and Laser with Sherry Priest yep. as our guest. Uh, in so- October, October 2nd and 3rd, we're going to be at Convolution, or at least I'll be at Convolution. Are you coming I'm to Convolution? Su- yeah, <laughs> All right, I'm good. supposed to be there. We'll do a sword and laser event there as well. Uh, that's in the Bay Area as well, so that should be fun. Uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff coming up. I'm stoked. Be- you want me to read this one? Go ahead. Belissa happened to catch my book haul video and enjoyed it. What a great idea. If you're like, what is that, Tom? Uh, I've been trying to figure out what to do with my YouTube channel. So I took the books that I always pick up from our post office box that reviewers very kindly send us. We're very clear that we don't do book reviews, but sometimes they send them to us anyway, thinking they'll catch our eye. And I'm like, well, maybe this will be worth it for them to send it. I'll do a book haul. So on the video, I just opened up the book. I show the cover. I talk about who illustrated the cover. I read the book jacket cover. Very simple. Uh, and anyway, Belissa said uh, that the tall stack of books behind me got her wheels turning, and she thinks we ought to give them away mm. to listeners to review them. So, right, not just a giveaway, but actually give them away to people and in exchange for their review. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. I that's... can only assume that you put this email in here not just to congratulate my silly idea but because you're considering that oh yeah so this is i like this idea which is why i included the email on the show um i think it's really fun we have been doing user reviews uh, occasionally in fact i really need to ramp that up and remember to post things i need to i need to just add it to my calendar be like post user review every week at this time. Um, so I'll, I'll get better about that. But I just thought that this was a nice idea. Though the only thing is, I don't know how we know that they're actually going to do it. Yeah, we don't. There's no way of guaranteeing it, it right? It has to be kind of a trust bond that we are going to send yeah. you this book and then you have to do something about it afterwards. Right. And, and that would be the payment is the book. <laughs> You've got to read the book. So you have to be willing you have to be willing to work for book. I don't know how to wow. mute this recording program. Usually I can just uh, you know, pause it if it's a Google Hangout or mute it, but I there's no mute button on this and I'm too far hey, away from my cue button. You get the real sword and laser recording yeah. folks. So that happened. I apologize. <sighs> Speaking Whatever, of the real sword and laser, That's but humanity. We'll, we'll we'll return to this idea. I think this is a, a great idea. Uh thank you very much, Belissa. Um Yes, if you're offering, I think that's a great idea. How to to solicit the reviewers, Mm -hmm. uh, how to make sure Tom doesn't forget to mail the books to the reviewers, Mm -hmm. how to decide what books are. There's a lot of logistical stuff in there, but yeah, I like the idea. Very cool. This next email comes from Darren, who says, hi, guys, love the podcast. This may be a little off topic, but you're two erudite people, so I'm hoping you can help. Veronica, last podcast, I heard you agree with Tom by saying, yeah, no and then going on to say why you agree with him so much. Can you help me understand why I'm hearing this more and more all over the place? It's no longer just a simple yes or no. It has become yeah, no, or no, yeah. WTF? Why? Will there be a new word in the dictionary soon? Yeah, no. 
This drives me almost as crazy as hearing the word literally used incorrectly all the time now. Ugh. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Darren. Yeah, no. Well, literally, Darren, this has been a point of controversy around Veronica and I since 2006. (laughs) Oh my God, you found this. I cannot believe you found this. This is hilarious. Uh, M. Rissner... Uh, wrote on the Buzz Out Loud forums on April 5th, 2006. Oh, my God. I've noticed in Buzz Out Loud and in life that responses are increasingly beginning with, yeah, no, it reminds me of the fading I agree with that not phenomenon. It's just odd, like so much of the casual English language, and I'm trying very hard not to start doing it myself. Person number one, so you think Google Music will be a good thing? Person number two, yeah, no, if they do the pricing right, it'll be great. Analysis, stop the yeah, no, before the slang takes over our modern language. End rant. Love the podcast, gang. You do a great job. <laughs> Cheers to Veronica for slashing file sizes in half. Woo-hoo! Mike in Colorado Springs. <laughs> so, okay. This is a thing, apparently. I, I don't remember this post. I don't remember doing this as a thing. Uh, it must be just a vocal tick. Um I'll add that we to my... We talked about it. I remember Molly and you and I talking about it on Buzz Out Loud. I don't know if it was on a proper show or in the pre-show or something, mm-hmm. but we talked about the phenomena and how it's... You're saying, yeah, as a as a placeholder, right? It's like saying, uh, or well. You're like, yeah. And then you realize that you disagree and you say no. But then... So no, but this yeah, is agreeing. No. no, no, no. But the thing is, both of these people, Darren and M. Reisner, Mike and Colorado, rather, are saying that we are saying, yeah, no, but then agreeing with the previous statement. Right. And then there's the, there are those cases where you're like, yeah, no, I think that's true. And it's just your thought process being verbalized. It's not conquering the English language. It's been around for more than nine years now. Clearly. And it has not conquered the English <laughs> language. So it's okay. Uh, Darren, I understand that it bothers you, and we will try to keep that in mind. How's that? I think that's fair. I'll add yeah. that to my list of verbal tics that I use, uh, including vocal fry. Which, if you are a listener of the myriad NPR podcasts, you will have heard the This American Life episode in which they talk about vocal fry. And uh, then you will never unhear it ever again. So, yeah, no. Yeah, no, I don't know. Basically. Yeah, basically. Right. I mean, it's I'm literally really focused on this. Probably. Probably. I don't know. We'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> something to look forward, something to, uh, to keep an eye on in the future yeah, moving forward. Right. <laughs> Shall we uh, start talking about our book? Yes, book of the month discussion. This month, the month of July, birthday month. For you and my wife, whereas June is kind of a better birthday month because it's for your husband and me. Yeah, weird. That is <laughs> that is strange. And we're all cancers. <laughs> Yay, um, cancers but, on the face of humanity. Yep. Uh, but anyway, we are reading uh, Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, I have started it. I'm really, really enjoying it. And I uh, and just to give you a little background about Emily St. John Mandel, um, she was born on the west coast of uh, British Columbia. Uh, she studied dance in Toronto, lived in Montreal, and now New York. Uh, she was nominated for the National Book Award, the Penn Faulkner Award for Fiction, and the Bailey's Women Prize for Fiction, and won the Arthur C. Clarke Award. Apparently, there's also a film adaptation of the novel that's in development by producer Scott Steindorf. He did Chef. Oh, Chef was good. I really liked Chef. 
Did you watch Chef? No, I, I mean to watch it. It's on Netflix now. It's really good. Yeah, that's. I think that's where I actually watched it. It was great. Um, and then uh, she told Tor that the book was influenced by uh, Peter Heller, The Dog Stars, Cormac McCarthy's The Road, Colson Whitehead's Zone One, and A Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter M. Miller Jr. Yeah, I mean, they asked her, like, what what kind of post-apocalyptic things did you like growing up? And those are the books mm-hmm. that she sets. I don't know how much of them had direct influences and how much are just background. Well, it's very hard to talk about post-apocalyptic yeah. and not go into the road. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, she, though, I think you'll find, and I don't think this is a spoiler, uh, believes that people are mostly decent. And that shows in the post-apocalyptic nature of the book. And that's not to say there aren't horrible people in the book. You know, it'd be kind of boring if it was a book about just people being nice to each other. I made you a hamburger. Oh, I fixed your hoe. But that's not what it's about. But she does believe that fundamentally, having lived in New York during the hurricane, she she said in one of these interviews, that the best does come out in people in these kinds of scenarios. And yes, that doesn't mean everyone is the best. And, and that's what makes for an interesting controversy. She also doesn't think of herself as a, a speculative fiction writer, Author, as a yeah. genre fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says, I don't think of Station Eleven as speculative fiction. It doesn't bother me if other people want to categorize it as such. Or perhaps a better way of putting it is that I didn't set out to write speculative fiction. And this leads very well into uh, one of the posts on Goodreads from Joanna. She says, go ahead. I've been reading along and it keeps feeling like a literary novel to me that happens to have an apocalyptic setting. The characters are intertwined. Most of the action is really in the characters' heads. Subsections 7 and 8 about the airport really seem to be trying to get us to appreciate what we have now and remind us of how fragile it all can be. The world building is more of a set piece than the point of things. It reminds me of a podcast episode by the Writing Excuses folks. Basically, there are two kinds of readers. Ones who come thinking your idea all new and others who have seen this thing before a dozen times. I think most certain laser readers fall into the latter category, but sometimes you need an intro text where someone can get used to an idea without getting overwhelmed by the details. Sometimes you need something that's the only lightly genre in order to entice people to try out another part of the bookstore. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, oh, crap. (sighs) I said, yeah, no. And then I was about to Ah! agree with you. (laughs) I caught myself doing it. Oh my God. See, Ed, this is and this is editing in real time, you guys. I I didn't go back and listen to myself in that podcast that he was mentioning to try to find it because I was like, I don't do that. No, oh, apparently <laughs> I do. Okay, so um, I do agree with her. I think that when I started reading this book, I didn't read anything about it beforehand. I like to kind of come into these things fresh and not really have a formed opinion about what the book is going to be. And in fact, I was rather surprised by how non-genre it felt. And I was like, oh, Tom kind of picked a, he picked a fiction book. He picked a literary book. This is he not- He slipped in literature. How, how did he do that? He? Darn him. Um, <laughs> But I was really enjoying it. And then I realized, no, it is it is post-apocalyptic. There is definitely that vibe we've read in that that genre before, that subgenre. Uh, so it works for us. Um, but I can see how this winning so many awards and being a post-apocalyptic book could potentially steer people towards more traditional SFF, um, which I think is always a good thing. I think it's good to bring more people into, into our fold. Um, 
But yeah, it doesn't feel, I mean, it's certainly not science fiction. It's certainly not fantasy. It's just, it's post-apocalyptic, pretty, pretty, and, and a very good work of fiction. Well, and it takes place in the future. So there's a little no. bit of a futuristic. Well, no. I don't. What? Yes, but I did it. Uh, damn you, Darren. <laughs> damn you no. to heck. Just, just. Just try not to think about oh, Darren right now. And Darren. It, it is in the future. It is post-apocalyptic. Yes. So it has elements. I think I expected more genre elements than I got because of what I had read about it. So I was surprised like you, but because it had been nominated for an Arthur C. Clarke Award, mm-hmm. uh, because it was getting all this attention on places like SF Signal, io9, et cetera, and... I expected it to be literary, but literary like a Kurt Vonnegut novel, where you have very definite science fiction elements in many of his books. And maybe it's because I haven't gotten far enough into the book yet, but as far as I have gotten, it does seem very much like what she says. She didn't set out to write a genre book, but because of its setting, because it you know takes place after a plague, there is a bit of that kind of post-apocalyptic genre. But yeah, I'm not finding much science fiction here. Yeah, I really, uh, I almost disagree with you that it's futuristic in any kind of it's way. It's not futuristic. I said it takes place in the future. But does it? Because yeah, I thought the... Yeah, it does. does she it? says that in her tour interview. What did she say? She said it takes place in the future. <laughs> she's talking about it being a genre, and she's like, well, I guess it's post-apocalyptic and it takes place in the future, but I didn't set out to write a genre. For me, it felt like alternate history. Where yeah. we started in a little bit it's earlier than modern future, day, so yeah. and now we are in modern day, but it has happened differently. Either way, it works. I mean, there's not, that's just kind of yeah, splitting hairs. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> but so yeah, far, right. so good. And I really do like the, the, um, the feeling, uh, like so far, I, I'm not very far in at all myself. But I do like the alternate storyline of the actor and and his backstory. And that hasn't really brought itself to light yet. I mean, other than the the comic, Station Eleven, how that fits into everything. But I think it's kinda I think it's cool. Um I guess there's the, flashbacks the comic brings are pretty in neat. a science fiction element to it. A little as a bit, sub-story, yeah, yeah. As a sub story. Do we get into do they go into that world? Does that happen? Does I that I I couldn't tell you. Are you trying not to spoil it for me? No, I, I have. If they do, they haven't in any okay. of the part that I've written. Anyway, but, but I have. I have written. I've read. I don't think I talking read... about science fiction makes it a science fiction book. No, I, I agree. I I'm just saying. At least it does have that. It has that. It has That's that. all I'm saying. It has that. I'm not sure what that does for you, but it's got that. <laughs> I don't Spaceships think are it mentioned. matters though. <laughs> and I was surprised when this one won the vote because there were. Definitely some harder science fiction and even some just mainstream science fiction alternatives, but this one ran away with it. And I I think maybe that's just because it is beautiful writing. It's beautiful characterization. It's very tightly written. It's just a good read. And again, Sword and Laser tries to play in all the fields. That's our point. We Mm -hmm. want to try a wide variety. So I love the fact that we have gone from... Uh, you know, the Goblin Emperor to uh, to a '40s pulp novel to uh, to a literary fiction novel, and it's all in the Big Ten. I think that's great. 
I agree. Well, hopefully you guys have picked this one up. If not, you can head over to swordandlaser.com slash picks and grab it on Amazon or head to your local bookstore. Um, I know they got some copies over at Borderlands, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, read along with us. It's It's been great fun so far, and I think the discussion uh, has been really great as well. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. Even though it doesn't really fit into our normal purview, I, I like it because, like you mentioned, we read all sorts of stuff, and it's fun to kind of- I don't even know of... what normal is anymore, Veronica. Yeah, what is it? What does that even mean? What does that don't even just, mean? Don't judge. Yeah. Do you know what we're going to read next month already? You don't have to say what it is. But I like, do. So you've already settled. That's amazing. I do already know. I'll, we'll probably post it earlier rather than later this time because I do know and I want to give people kind of a head start. It's going to be a newer book as well. Uh, this one came out this year, in fact. Uh, too much acclaim. So we've talked about it on the show already. So maybe you can guess. If you can guess, tweet at us. I'd be curious to see at Sword and Laser on Twitter. Um, I think I've already decided how I want to pick the August book too. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you, can you talk wanna, about it? I want to pick one. I'm going to do a four book vote. Mm-hmm. And no, I am not taking your suggestions on what goes into the book <laughs> into this time. And sometimes I do, but this time I'm not. I'm going to pick one book from four different decades. Oh, I like it. So that you, you'll have to judge based on what kind of book you want to read, but also what era you want to read. I like it. Clever. Mm-hmm. Trying something different. That's what we do. That's what we do. We're like the DARPA of science fiction fantasy book clubs. Okay. You know, we're always researching, experimenting, trying new things, creating for the moon, giant robots. Yep. Yep. You know, that how, as we do. Yep. Yeah. Not the first time. Hey, we talked about giant robots on Daily Tech News Show. Yeah. If you like hearing Veronica and I talk, she's on Daily Tech News Show Mondays. Yeah. Every Monday. It's a lot of fun. But that about wraps it up for this particular episode of The Sword and Laser. Um, as you guys know, our show is currently funded entirely by you, our patrons, at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Thank you so much to all of those who back our show. And of course, uh, this week, we're going to be posting our monthly silliness for our $20 and up subscribers. Um, but you can donate at any level you feel comfortable with. We appreciate every little bit so head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser and if you're looking for something to read or you heard us mention a book and you're like i know i'd recognize it if i see it but i i, I need to see some book picks <laughs> go to swordandlaser.com slash picks you find links to the books we talk about on the shows and if you actually buy the book through those links uh we get a little cut of that Hey, and by the way, if you didn't know it, if you're a new listener and maybe we haven't talked about it in a really long time, which I think we haven't, uh, we have an anthology out. It's called the Sword and Laser Anthology, and it's 20 stories, 10 science fiction, 10 fantasy, written by listeners and fans of the show, all new authors, uh, all previously unpublished stories. If you head over to swordandlaser.com on the right-hand nav, you can get a link to it on Amazon. You can get it in paperback. You can get it on the e-reader of your choice. We have all sorts of different formats so check that out it's a lot of a lot of really great stuff as tom said the best time to read an anthology is on an airplane so throw out your copy of rogues and pick up the sword and laser anthology <laughs> and just yeah don't read don't don't be stuck reading the magazine from the airline no we got some good stuff for you and hey if you want your email read on the show send it into feedback at swordandlaser.com our website as always is swordandlaser.com all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser and you can call and leave a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6 we'll see you next time bye yeah no 
podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.